All right, happy Friday, everyone. And we are back with another episode of Learning Tech Talks where we're exploring the landscape of learning tech while cutting through the fluff to help you do digital learning right. So today I brought back my friend, Michael Yaffe. He's the co-founder of Arist, which is a text messaging platform simplifying learning down to 1200 characters a day. And we're gonna be talking about how the platforms evolved since we talked last November and how they're using their capabilities to help people amidst the COVID-19 crisis right now. So if you're joining us live, go ahead, give us a thumbs up, share the post, tag in somebody who'd benefit for the conversation while we're getting things rolling here. Um, and while you're at it, you know, let us know where you're joining from in the comments. So, so Michael, I, I'm joining from the ever beautiful Waukesha, Wisconsin, as always. Um, Michael, let us know where, where are you today? Uh, I'm currently in Portland, Oregon, which is also super beautiful. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Okay. Is it raining? Uh, no, actually, it's been like 70 and sunny for the past two weeks. Okay. All right. Well, it is not. It is not that warm here. We had a couple warm days like that, and then we got some snow. So I'm looking forward to uh, it, it coming back to some warm weather, but um, okay. So question question of the week, all right, you've had some time to think about this. And uh, so this week's question is with everything going on, there's a lot of reasons to, to be you know overwhelmed by negativity or things not going well. Um, but if, you, if you're really looking, I, I personally believe there's always things that can, there's always glimmers of light in the darkness. And so the question for this week is, uh, what is one thing that made you laugh this week? And and tell the story a little bit. And for those of you watching and tuning in, comment in your your bright spots too. So let's hear it, Michael. Sure thing. So um, for my sister's birthday about like a month ago, I ended up buying her like a five foot two inflatable dinosaur. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, I just, I, it was like 20 bucks on Amazon. And I was like, you know what, what the hell? Um, and, and so what ended up happening is, uh, the quarantine. And okay. so we ended up taking the inflatable dinosaur out on a walk uh, in our neighborhood. And people's reactions were just like, what is going on? Like, why is there a dinosaur walking around? Uh, and, and so that that was... Uh, that okay, was just so hang on, I got to ask. So is this, yeah. was it just like an inflatable toy and you were like holding its hand walking through it? Or was it the, the inflatable T-Rex thing? It was like the massive inflatable T-Rex. Yeah. And, okay. and we like, we like, we like made a leash for it and like, like we, we just you know took it on a walk. Okay. Uh, and yeah, it was, it was, it, it was a good time. Okay. So. so by the way, don't get rid of that thing. I have one. And no it way. Oh, my God. oh yes. I love my inflatable. That's awesome. um, yeah. I, I wore it, it. The last time I wore it was trick or treating with the kids. And it's, it's one of those things. It's just fun yeah. to wear because it's hilarious, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. arms and yeah. No. Okay. All right. That's, that one's pretty good. I like that. Okay. So you made, you made a bright spot out of a, a potentially dark moment of not being able to do a birthday party. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, so here's mine. Um, so last, last Friday, uh, when I was talking with Charles Smith from Amplifier, we were talking about, uh, you know, kind of this whole cognitive science and neuroscience behind learning. And anyway, the question of the week that time, um, was, What's one thing you thought you knew that you ended up discovering you didn't know, you didn't know at all? And so I shared that the one for me was at the end of Queen's We Are the Champions, I swore it ended with of the world. And it doesn't, it just ends with champions and then it stops. And for me, that was just like mind blown moment for me. So anyway, I'd shared that. And so a couple of days later, Alex, Alexander Salas and Alexander, if you're listening, you'll, you'll get a kick out of this. He messages me and he says, you know, listen to the podcast and he sent a screenshot. He had done a similar thing to me where he'd like, no way I have to look this up. And so he looked, he looked it up. And to me, it just, it made me smile and laugh for two reasons. First of all, one, it was hilarious to me. He had the same reaction I did. Um, and you know, the other thing was, you never really know who's listening or watching this stuff. So when people reach out and tell you, you're like, that's cool. Like, it's cool that you you walked away with something. But the other thing that to me, from a learning standpoint, if we want to relate this back to learning was the conversation we had had that week was the importance of pushing people into this like optimal zone of 
kind of the stress response, right? You know, you need to challenge people's thinking because if it's boring or just, you know, whatever, they, they don't move into that. And so the fact that we had highlighted just how perfectly that was, I guarantee Alexander will never forget that Queen does not end of the world, neither will I. Um, and so it was It was just one of those, like, it made me chuckle. And honestly, throughout the week, every time it pops up in my LinkedIn messages, I, I still laugh about it. So awesome. not awesome. not quite as cool as as the inflatable T-Rex. Maybe I'll have to do an episode in mine, or maybe we both can uh, when we talk again. That, that might that be sounds epic. awesome. That'd be great. That'd the be dinosaur epic. episode. Yeah. That would be epic. Yeah, the, <laughs> we'll go prehistoric. That's right. All right. Well, so let's let's transition over uh, back to the the learning technology piece. So so you you co-founded Arist. For people who haven't seen our November episode, let's talk a little bit about what it is. Right. We say text messaging learning, but just at, at a high level, highlight you know what is Arist when people ask you. Sure thing. Yeah. So I, I think it's best if I start with just a super quick story. Yeah. Um, so my background is in the nonprofit space. Before starting Aris, I used to run a nonprofit called Tile.org, okay. uh, which has about 450 locations in 50 countries. And one of our most successful locations was in the war zone in Yemen. Um, and I couldn't understand why we were getting more students to come to our events in Yemen than our events in Portland or New York or Milwaukee. Um, and what we found was that students in Yemen had limited access to the internet. So they couldn't take any of these amazing online resources that we're so used to here in the US. Um, and their educational system had been broken for over four years. So they had, you know, these live events we were hosting were the only educational resource that they had access to. Okay. And so I, I very quickly started realizing that, you know, I, I sort of became obsessed with this problem. Of how do you deliver more educational content to students in Yemen? Um, and what we eventually figured out was that if we could harness text messages to deliver educational content, we can make learning dramatically more accessible. Okay. Um, so we, we ended up developing a text message course model with a few professors from USC and Babson. Um, and a text message course is just 1,200 characters, so about two screen lengths worth of text sent along with an image um, and then an assessment every single day over the course of five to 30 days. Um, so in about 30 days, we can cover a full semester-long college course um, or a really, really comprehensive leadership development or harassment prevention course. Um, and so, you know, we were initially, initially like the goal of Aris was just to deliver learning. And okay, cool. I think my internet might have. No, you're, you're, yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll fade in and out every once in a while. It's okay. People okay, understand. Sweet. Um, yeah. So, so, you know, our initial goal is to just, just deliver learning in complex zones, which, which we, we continue to do to this day. But uh, a university in the Boston area reached out to us after hearing about some of these experiments that we were running and said, hey, this would be great for corporate L&D. And we're all college students. So we were like, what the hell is corporate L&D? <laughs> uh, you know? so, I had a similar uh, reaction as an eighth grade math teacher. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and so, you know, we, we started realizing that along with being super accessible uh, text message courses, because they're based off a lot of behavioral science research from Stanford and UPenn, um, can be really, really accessible and really effective for, for learning in other places, right? Uh, for compliance training, for onboarding, um, for all of these different use cases, both to make learning you know, simpler and more frictionless, um, but also to make learning actually effective. Um, and today we've had completion and satisfaction rates of over 90% of our courses, yeah. which has been pretty great. So okay. that's like a super quick summary. Yeah. Well, so I, one of the things I want to kind of jump on on that, that I'm curious. So you talked about, right, compressing a semester long class into a 30 day text message yeah. course, and you were, you had the backing of a college. I have to imagine that was kind of a disruptive position, right? To say, Hey, you know what, we can take this and this is how you traditionally do it in the academic sense. We're going to do it differently. And it's going to look like this. Like, how did that, how did that go over? Yeah, uh, th there was a whole lot of skepticism. I mean, that, that's, I have to give credit to Babson. Babson is an incredibly innovative institution. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they've been on the bleeding edge of a lot of digital learning. But uh, for them, they were like, like text messages, come on. You know, like, like that's just the worst idea we've ever heard. Um, and, and I think, you know, one of the key realizations that we had in our discussions with professors is that so much of learning um, is, you know, especially if you're given an hour and a half worth of class time, Professors have to fill up that hour and a half. Yes. So even if, even if the subject for that class is you know could be explained really really succinctly in a paragraph, they have to fill up that class with exercises and activities and conversations, many of which you know sort of deviate from the essence of the learning. Um, and and if you think about it, you know learning really is you know you you read something or learn learn about a concept or watch something, 
and then you know you think about it reflect on it and act and so so that that like read reflect act model can be simulated really effectively in a text message okay okay well you know what's funny is talking about it, so really what you're talking about you're trimming the fat out right yeah. i mean that's really what it is and and a relatable experience i think going on right now that, that i can speak firsthand to is you know you look at what's going on right now one of the big disruptions with covid right now is all these kids are at home right yeah. and and so you know my wife is a superwoman she's been she's been amazing you know with our kids and one of the things she's done she's homeschooled even before covid hit um with our oldest and one of the things that was she saw and she's been trying to help parents through this is as she was watching a lot of these parents go how do i spend 8 hours a day you know in school with my kids cuz normally they go in at at you know 7 or 8 and they don't get home till 4 and and i'm going nuts doing this i'm getting done in in 2 hours and it's like well because you're trimming all that fat out, right? right. You're, you're trimming all that fat out. You're just focusing on this and all the filler activity. When you cut that out, it's so much more efficient to be able to go through that exercise. So it, it's been interesting. I mean, that's that's kind of a real-time example of another way that we see this where you might go, well, that's not possible. You can't right. possibly yeah. deliver this much content, you know, in this way. And it's like, well, actually, actually you can if you cut it down to what it really is. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Interesting. So what other, I mean, you've been doing this now for a bit, right? You're, you're a startup, but you've been doing this now for a bit. What are, what, what are some of the other reactions or responses that people, I mean, I'm sure one of them is really text messaging. Like there's no way we can deliver that level of content. Are there other big ones that you've had to overcome over the past few months? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think the natural skepticism with, with text messages is huge. And I think privacy is also a huge issue. Okay. So, so, you know, with, with Eris, you know, the, the first reaction that we usually get is like, well, you know, my employees don't have company phones. Okay. Um, and our reaction is like, that's great, you know, because we're designed to very, very compliantly and safely send messages directly to your employees' personal phones. And then there's always the reaction of like, okay, well, you know, employees would never want to receive their corporate training via text message to their personal phones. Um, and what we find is that that's actually never been the case. Really? Uh, you know, we, we've, yeah, like Eris is now being used by over a dozen Fortune 500 companies and a number of leading universities. And we've never had an employee opt out of using Eris on their personal phones. Um, and I think, which, which I think is counterintuitive to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and I think the main reason uh, is that just the convenience of being able to learn over when you're on the subway um, or when you have a break. Um, you know, for, for example, yesterday I, you know, I finished work um, and, and I was like, oh, I have like five minutes before my next meeting. You know, and, I, and I took out my, my phone and just read a few of my Eris texts. And the convenience of being able to learn like that ends up being a huge, um, you know, you know, a huge plus for a lot of employees. So, so I think I think the, these traditional assumptions that we have about, you know, employees only want to, you know, interact with the workplace from nine to five and only want to do so on a company-owned laptop or on a, or on a company-owned phone. I think that's, you know, that's becoming less and less true, especially for millennials and Gen Z. Okay. Okay. Well, and I th I think to me that make that makes sense. You know, as you think about it, the lines between work and outside of work are, are very much blurring. And in some cases, it's almost more of an inconvenience to have to. I mean, I think of you know people talk about it, they carry around a company phone and their personal, and it's it's honestly a, a pain. You know, they're like, yeah, yeah. one do I take with me and and things like that. So I can see where, um, especially as the newer generations are coming in and are less dividing work and, and personal life in such a black and white way. Um, you know, you, you've had to work through that. So how do you, how do you deal with that though? Because I mean, in L and D in general, yeah. there's no shortage of that, right? I've been running this show for a bit. I've been, I've been trying to push, you know, tech and thinking differently about learning and there's no shortage of this. Nope. Can't do it. Like that won't work because, no reason really other than I don't think it will work based on these assumptions. So how have you worked with people through that? Yeah, no, that's an excellent question. I think, I think a few ways. Um, the first one is, is just going straight to the employees and getting employee feedback. Okay. We find that, um, you know, employees, once they try a course are often our greatest advocates. They're like, yes, this is how I want to learn. Um, and, and so that, that, that's been one way of doing it. I, I think, you know, something that, that we've been, you know, sort of lucky about um, is the fact that, you know, our tool is often filling pressing needs or pressing gaps, right? So for, for, for example, right now with COVID-19, a lot of employers are realizing that, oh, like my employees don't actually have a strong internet connection at home. 
or my employees, you know, don't, you know, don't even have a laptop that they can take home and, and learn from. Um, and, and so, you know, Ares is currently the only way to deliver learning content if your employee is smartphone dependent or doesn't have an internet connection, uh, because we, you know, we do it compliantly over over, over your phone. And so, um, you know, you know I, th- I think for a lot of organizations, they're like, okay, you know, well, we have to provide some level of learning to, to our employees, so we might as well do this. Um, and, and after that, you know, the, the feedback is always positive. And so then really, really innovative learning organizations can end, you know, end up scaling from there. Okay. Okay. So what, what kind of challenges, and we, we talked a little bit about this um, before coming, coming on is, you know, as you, as you were approaching and, and moving into the enterprise space, right. some, some bumps along the way, right? I mean, you, you, <laughs> you found out some of these things. Let, let's talk a little bit about some of the learnings that you had with that. Yeah. So, so, yeah. I mean, I mean, right now we're facing one of the biggest crises in in learning, maybe you know that we've had in the past few decades. And something that our team has been amazed by is the fact that, you know, a lot of really really innovative solutions that could fix a lot of the very sudden problems that we're having are not getting pushed along or getting approval by by tech teams. Um, and part of that is is a genuine concern for for privacy. But at the same time, you know, when schools and universities and companies have problems tomorrow um you know they can't organizations can't wait for you know a three to 12 month approval process and and so i think that that's been one of the biggest barriers that we face is you know our our tool is really designed to serve immediate needs and um you know those immediate needs oftentimes come and go by the time that we're done with an approval process yeah uh and so that, that that's that's been a challenge and, and in general you know the pace of the pace of decision making at on the enterprise level can sometimes be um interesting so i'm like i'm used to everything happening like super quickly and and you know an approval process that takes up like five percent of my life right uh or ten percent of my life uh is is not not something that i want to you know, spend time doing so we, we've ended up moving to a super decentralized model for, for getting heirs to the people who need it most um mm-hmm. and so now anybody can go you know to heirs.co and, and uh essentially buy a 50 dollars subscription for their employees okay. uh, without ever having to go through an approval process um yeah. it's just but you know so our goal is to make setting up an heirs account um and setting up you know a text message course as easy as setting up a slack account or setting up a twitter account Okay. Okay. Well, and that was right. This and and COVID nineteen. And again, we're not going to make this a COVID nineteen episode. But in many ways, it it caught a lot of people off guard, right? And there were a lot of assumptions that companies had, like you said, about their employees, about the way work was done, about some of this stuff. That suddenly they were pressed with, oh, turns out that isn't actually that isn't actually how it works. And the response time is is critical right now right. and i think that's something that you know i can say for for you know my peers the people that i work with you know there are a lot of times we're struggling with this where it's like okay we have a need we need to meet it we don't have 18 months to go through an rfp enterprise implementation because by the time that implementation is done not that it's not going to be valuable once it's done but we've missed our window of opportunity. So I think it's interesting that you've been able to pivot, um, you know, pivot the platform a little bit, not that you're moving away from what that is, but to be able to say, listen, we, we recognize what the need is. And so we've adjusted, we've adjusted to kind of meet this immediate need to help people who, who need to move quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, for, for us, one of the, one of the craziest things has been that, you know, a lot of learning, learning organizations that, that we've worked with, in in light of, of the sudden shift, we're like, okay, great, we're going to take all of our classroom training, right, and then just record it, you know, and that's going to be our digital learning. And, and I think that you know this is a really really unique opportunity for digital learning teams to, to adopt completely new forms of digital learning that that may be really really impactful, um, and that may be better suited to employees working at home. And so, you know, the the tendency to just record you know 25 hours of video courses and make it available to your employees at home is, you know, I don't know if it's the right I don't know if it's the right move, but okay. Okay. Got it. So, so here's the other one though. So with everything going on right now, um, you know, there, there is sometimes a natural tendency and and I've seen, I've had to, I've been helping others and, and myself have been trying to do a little bit of 
preventing firefighting, right? Which, yeah. which is what can happen. You know, everybody's home. There, there are some assumptions that, well, now people are home. What else do they want to do other than corporate learning? And so let's, let's push all this stuff out to everybody, which not necessarily all bad, but at the same time, a little bit tone deaf. And at the other thing is sometimes we overvalue the content that we have. We assume that the content we have is, is super important. So when you've been working with some of these folks and saying, Hey, you know, crisis or not, you have this need, you want to push it to people in a different way. You want to get it out to them. How, how do you help them evaluate, you know, that so you don't just end up with 873 text message threads right. of different stuff. And people are just like, this is too much. Like now I feel like it's spam. Right, right. Yeah. So, so what we find is that when, you know, th there is a significant mindset shift um, when writing a text message course, uh, like yeah. you have to focus entirely on making, uh, on reducing word count instead of increasing word count or increasing, you know, video length. Um, and so we find that once, once people are trained in that mindset, which usually just takes a few, you know, a few conversations and then a few, you know, stabs at, take, at making a text message course, people get the hang of it very, very quickly. People tend to identify very quickly, like, oh yeah, like this entire three hour long presentation really is about these three very specific points, right? <laughs> Uh, yeah. and, and, and those are, I mean, I mean, that's what, as a learner, that's what you want to know. You want to know what are the three specific points and how can I take action on them? Um, and I, I mean, it's, it's interesting, you know, if, if we step back for a second, um, what we're seeing right now is, you know, I, I've done lots of learning over the past few weeks, not through Zoom, right? Most of the learning that I've had uh, has been through Twitter or through TikTok, right? Uh, of all things, because because on TikTok, yeah, I have a follow-up uh, question on that one, by the way. But keep going. Okay, yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. <laughs> it's no, but 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 on TikTok, you have um, a lot of really amazing science teachers, for example, who have adapted their coursework to fit this really really short medium. Um, so I, I suck at chemistry. I've always sucked at chemistry, right? But um, but I've learned so much chemistry over the past like week because of this one dude who makes science videos on TikTok, right? And they're a minute long. They they go straight to the point and explain really, really complex chemistry concepts in depth. Um, and I love it, you know, and, and, and I think, uh, I think the, these mediums that, that, you know, we learn a lot from, but we don't acknowledge that we learn a lot from, um, you know, have, have a really meaningful place in, in the corporate learning landscape. Well, and so I, I'll, I have a comment and then I have to ask about TikTok. Okay. Okay. Sweet. So, so the first one is this, I think this is something that we we've we've got a ways to go yet there's a lot of lessons that we can learn at least on the practitioner side which is sometimes the assumption that our technology or the way we think things should be delivered is the best is is a is a gross misassumption in terms of how it actually happens right i mean people are people are learning all the time. I, I think that's one of my issues when when I hear let's build a learning culture. It's like you have a learning culture, whether you acknowledge it or not. Your employees are learning. They might just not be learning the way you think they should be learning or the way you're trying to push them to learn. But it's happening. And so I think it's interesting, you know, you talk about this in, in terms of integrating into some of these other ways that, hey, this is this is happening. How do we integrate into that versus try and always not that there isn't a place to do it, but instead of always saying, well, we need to come up with the new tool or the new thing that people are going to use to learn because maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. Okay, so TikTok, yeah. I, I have to know because, right, I, I hear about it and I'm like, I don't I don't get it. Is it, is it just music? What What is TikTok? Yeah, sure. Um, so, so TikTok is essentially just, uh, you know, at, at its essence, it's a pretty simple tool for creating and sharing uh, like, 15 second to minute long videos. Okay, so you've got, uh, you've got a time cap. You have a time cap. Um, and you can, you know, I think one of like the power of TikTok is that unlike Instagram where you can post short videos but you can't edit them. Um, TikTok has a really, really great video editing uh, uh, tool and a really, really good algorithm for, for filtering content. Um, and so what that means is that if you're, you know, a science teacher from like Bloomington, Minnesota, for example, um, you can make really, really high quality videos entirely using your phone um and, and and then those videos because of tiktok's algorithm can reach millions and millions of students okay uh, and and so i i think it has i, I think that's just one indication that and in twitter as well you know i've learned so much from twitter threads over the past um you know over the past few weeks those are both great indications that you know micro learning um like really really micro learning like nano learning maybe even um you know ends up having really, really meaningful outcomes uh, in learners, both, you know, 
Gen Z and millennials, but also we find like people in their 50s, 60s, even 70s. Yeah. Nano learning. You've now created a new buzzword in in uh, in the L and D space, Michael. We're gonna, uh, basic. We're gonna, that's there that's you go. All I hope to do so. <laughs> you can retire. You've made it. Yeah, yeah, You've great. Made it. Okay. All right. So nano. Okay. Well, no, that's interesting. And what's interesting about it, whether you're talking about TikTok, whether you're talking about ours, whether you're talking about Twitter. Um, any of these things and, and having, you know, done this with my teams in the past, it actually is a really good exercise to force people through compressing things, right. And saying, okay. And this was an exercise that I've ran with teams in the past where it's like, do this, you know, structure this content now cut it in half, right. now cut it in half again. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's painful. You watch people do it and it's like, Oh yeah, I can't, I, this is all so important. You're like, well, you have to like, you just so figure out what, and then they do it and then they do it again. And, you know, it, it is possible, but it, it takes some real critical thought, which I think is something that's important for L and D professionals, right? I mean, we're supposed to be experts at this. That is, right. that is the profession we are in is instructional architecture and how do we actually do this well? And I think, you know, tools like this give us the capability to practice it and and hopefully democratize it so we don't have to be the bottleneck for it. Yeah, without a doubt. So with that one, then let me, I'm going to jump into two different areas. So with with what you're doing now, right? So you have this text messaging platform, um, you're, you're, you're democratizing this, you're, you're helping people kind of go through this exercise of, hey, let's get this content, let's get it in its simplest form, let's deliver it to people in the most simple way possible, honestly. Right. How how do you do that with, you know, or how do you work with, do you, do you only work with L&D people? Or are you working with, are you working with subject matter experts? So, you know, what's kind of the gamut of folks who you work with to, to do this? Sure. Yeah. So our, our initial focus was primarily L&D, L&D uh, folks. Okay. Um, and, um, and I, you know, I think L&D was a natural starting place because, you know, there, there's, a lot of content, um, a lot of employees that that um, that that need to receive learning in a lot of different types of ways, um, and also you know we we were greatly inspired by uh, by Laszlo Bach, um, you know who, who's you know who's said learn better, learn less, right? Um, and and so we we really took that to heart. Now what we're seeing is um, Eris is being used by everybody from you know K through 12 teachers all across the, the U.S. In the, in the past two weeks, we've, we've just seen a remarkable influx in, in, in people from all types of backgrounds using Ares. Um, and and, and it, it's been cool because we've been able to see what the limit of the median is. You know, there, there's also, hold on. I think somebody's mowing their yard. Can you just <laughs> Okay, sweet. There we go. Uh, we'll get a lawnmower in the background. Yeah, exactly. Not- Everyone's at home. They have to do something, you know, so. Got to do something. That's right. Um, yes. Yeah, so so it, it's been cool because we've been able to really see what the limit of the platform is. Like one um, one instructional designer at Amazon, a guy named Ian Crook, he just made a, he, he made a Ghostbusters onboarding using Eris. Okay. And it's awesome. Like every single day I get my Ghostbusters texts uh, and I'm like, cool. Like I like I'm part of the team now. You know, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm like I'm, I'm getting onboarded to, to becoming a Ghostbuster. Um, so it's been really, really amazing to see the limitations of the platform and, and what people are able to do with it uh, when given that constraint. You know, and, and much like, you know, I, I think learning architects, I'm, I'm a huge architecture buff, right? So much like actual architects, you know, architects thrive when when they have to work with limited conditions, right? Like a difficult lot or a difficult landscape. Yeah, the same thing is true for, for, archi- for learning architects, right? Yep. Well, and I think the same is true in a lot of things, right? When we're pressured to think with constraints, it actually pushes us to think differently, which is, you know, one of the, your Ghostbusters onboarding analogy is, is, is a good one. I think, you know, as I look at some of the things going on right now, one of the, one of the other bright spots I see amidst everything going on is creativity is at an all time high. It has to be. I mean, the number of videos I see of people doing insane, crazy, fun things where you're like, they never would have done that before because, they, they weren't forced to, they, they weren't pushed into a thing and not that you ever want to say, Hey, this is a good thing, but it's, it's, it's been interesting to watch as people challenge the whole, well, we can't do that, or that won't be allowed, won't be allowed here. So with, with the current situation, you know, are you seeing people taking more risks? Are they, are they doing things differently than even maybe you saw before where it was, they were doing text messaging, but it was kind of, force fitting things from one thing to another and now they're kind of stepping outside 
Yeah, so it's it's been interesting. It's been a range. I think it depends strongly on the learning culture of the organization. Okay. So one one company that uh, we spoke to in November, uh, and then they were like, you know what, like you know, and they they just they were pretty slow at, at decision making. Um, reached out to us out of the blue and, and was like, we need this right now. And we were like, cool, all right, let's you know, let's let's get you set up. Yeah. Um, and, and so you know that that that's been interesting. Um, you know, another company that we talked to was like, you know, we we really did not have any use for this like three months ago, uh, but the use cases are very very clear now. Yeah. Um, so so that that's you know it's been interesting seeing that transition with some learning teams, um, and then with other learning teams they've they've uh, that that you know are already using Airs they've they've pivoted to to you know either doing more video based training or uh, or some organizations have um, sort of hibernated their training entirely you know have sort of pulled back and, and taken this opportunity which I think yeah. in many ways is is you know both a good and a bad thing I think I think taking Using this, you know, time to step back and really reevaluate your learning organization and what you're trying to accomplish, um, I, I think in many ways that's a really, really great thing. Yeah. Well, and I think it's an important topic to talk about right now. And I, you know, I'm kind of watching the comments here off to the side because I think this is this is something that is important to think about. It goes back to what we were talking earlier, where, you know, there's there is to some degree this assumption: well, people are home, people are doing things. Let's push them learning, uh, which. I think is a little tone deaf because people are home with kids now and they may be, you know, they may be scrambling to figure out how to work in this new world and, and the emotional mental strain of just the realities of things. If you look at the neuroscience behind emotions and learning, like right when people are stressed yeah. and have things, it's hard to actually get them to move forward. So we have to be careful how we do that. But at the same time, you know, I, I've seen pockets where people are hungry for learning. And, and if anything, this has pushed people to a place where they're saying, I'm struggling or recognizing what my skills are and I want to improve, right? Yeah. I, I recognize that maybe everything I thought about my own capabilities are not what they are. And so it is this balancing act of helping organizations understand, you know, how do you, how do you help continue development? I don't think the shutting down thing is is the right move right now i don't yeah. i think people yeah. are they need to feel connected i think they need to feel like they're being invested in and developed i think we need to be careful about how we do it um but i think there's there's definitely need so it's cool to hear that you know you're you're kind of enabling people in this moment where they need it yeah yeah okay so so on on another topic with this let's talk about some of the things related to the situation i know you've been developing a lot of content and democratizing, really just putting it out there. Talk to me a little bit about how you've been getting involved in that to kind of help the situation. Sure thing. Yeah. So, so yeah, what we found is that, you know, very, very quickly, like, you know, our school shut down, I think May, no, March 12th. Um, and so within two or three days, we started realizing that, you know, a lot of teachers, because, you know, we, we were intimately familiar with the fact that most students and most many students and many employees around the world don't have access to the internet. Um, and so we instantly made our platform completely free in all teachers as well. Um, so now anybody can go go to Aris uh, if they're a teacher and instantly, you know, create an Aris classroom and start creating content for their students. Um, so we, you know, we, we jumped into action really quickly there. And um, and over the past, uh, I think I think over the past like two weeks, we've had over 50 nonprofits reach out to us and get started using the platform um, for everything from delivering COVID-19 training. Um, you know, we, we helped develop a COVID-19 course uh, for refugees in the Nakivali refugee camp in Uganda, uh, where there's, you know, 70 to 90,000 refugees with limited access to the internet. Uh, but everybody has a phone and everybody has WhatsApp. Um, and, and so we, we've seen a lot of a lot of use cases of errors being used for, for really phenomenal impact work that we've been thrilled to support. Um, so I think that, that that's probably been the biggest shift in terms of us, us being able to step into action. Um, and, and, and again, it's, it's been really, really amazing to see what, what people can create. Um, you know, I think for a lot of old school trainers, this is their first time being forced to do digital. I had, you know, I, I, I started, you know, <laughs> you're, you're, it is. Yeah. 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 I, I spoke to, um, to this great lady at a conference. I think like two or three months ago, and she she saw Eris and she was like, "This is the worst thing ever," and I was like, 
it's just like, I was like, I, I really appreciate the candidness. And she was like, yeah, you know, like, I like, you know, like nothing will ever be in person training. I'm like, I'm in agreement. You know, this is designed to supplement or, or replace it when you can't have in person training. And, uh, and, and, and she, um, she was like, yeah, you know, whatever. And then she reached out to us last week and she was like, I can't do any in person training anymore. And I'm like, I know it sucks, but like, you know, you have to adapt. Um, and so she, she's actually now using Eris to deliver courses, uh, which has been cool. But um, but it's that 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 transition and, and just the ability to help um, you know help deliver learning content in a way that's somewhat differentiated from video or or everything else that you're yeah. used to. Um, you know, we've been really thrilled to be in a position to help. Okay, interesting. Uh, it's always fun when things come full circle, right? When you're like, this, yeah, yeah. This, I've had my fair share of those where it's like, this is a terrible idea, or you know, you won't be able to do that, and you're like, whatever, I'm going to do it anyway. And then, right, right. The same people come back. It's always a little satisfying when they come back and go, ah, a little bit. <laughs> there's a little bit of satisfaction. A little bit of satisfaction. Yeah, or, maybe, or maybe a lot. That's okay. Right. You know, it's fine. Um, you know, it's so on on that topic, you know, one of the things I think that a lot of people are, are navigating right now, right, is this whole digital versus in person. Right. And so I think this is something that's that's worth digging into a little bit because I have been in a number of conversations where there's almost a little bit of a threat right now, right? You know, people are going, well, we're going digital because we have to. And there's there's some folks that are holding on, hoping that we'll bounce back um, to, to the way things are done. And, you know, I think one of the things that's been interesting about this is, you know, seeing platforms like Aris, like a lot of these other platforms that are creating digital content in a meaningful way. I personally have not seen that as a threat to, uh, the in-person thing, I, I don't really distinguish in-person and virtual. To me, it's it's live, right? Yeah. It's live versus async. And so, you know, I, I don't necessarily see this digital content as a threat to synchronous experiences because the reality is it doesn't, the buck doesn't stop there. It's And in, yeah. if in fact, I would say asynchronous is the absolute, or sorry, synchronous is the absolute worst medium for delivering content. In my yeah. opinion, it is the worst way you can put content out there because of the fact, well, we, we list reasons why, but so have you seen people completely shifting to this digital or are they still doing it and finding ways to still keep that human component in the loop? Yeah. Yeah. Again, so I think there's two really interesting things there. One is what we define as a human component, okay. right? So if, 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 if your learning organization defines a human component as, you know, a face on a screen, um, then, then, you know, then what happens is you develop a ton of face on screen video content. Yes. Right. Um, and, and, you know, and, and I think that this dovetails with sort of the fact that within the next decade, we're going to have a huge shift in how the workplace is going to look. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I'm, we're not bouncing back. I, I was in a yeah, yeah. Somebody the other day, I'm like, we won't bounce back. In fact, bouncing back would be the worst thing we could do. We're going to bounce forward. Exactly, exactly. And, and I mean, I mean, like within the next decade, I think something like 30 or 40 percent of the workforce is going to be Gen Z, right? Yeah. Um, and and between Gen Z and millennials, it's gonna they're, they're going to make up I think like 80, 80 70, 80 percent of the workforce. Which means that that how you define and for us, we define human interaction very very differently. Yeah. Right. We define human interaction as sending a text. Right, um, which is why why we think that that you know our model and why why the research indicates that our model works well. Um, yeah. It's because because you know we learn so much from conversations, but for us those conversations just happen to happen over text message more than in person, right? Especially now, um, and and so if we can harness to the same things that make uh, a conversation great, right, and, and and the same the same attributes that make us help us learn a lot from conversations and put that into into digital learning. Um, you know, I think we can go a long way in advancing uh, and in bouncing forward effectively. Um, so I, I think I think that that's sort of one component of, you know, we, we really have to think about what what is it that we care about and what you know, a what type of research do we want to use, right? Do we want to use research, learning research that that's that was made in the '80s or cutting edge learning research um, that indicates that you know going smaller is, is probably more effective, right? And, and yeah. meeting people where they're at and being asynchronous and giving people complete flexibility is, is more effective. And I think that's, that's a decision that individual learning organizations will have to make. Um, and I think, you know, thankfully we're forward. 
um, and, and decide to say, you know, we're going to, we're going to use this opportunity to really, really future proof our organization. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good point. And I think, you know, going to your, your comment about, you know, leveraging research from, from the eighties, you know, things like that, where it's like, there are definitely things, right. You look back at some of these things and it's about decrypting. What are the timeless things, right? Because yeah, exactly. micro learning's not new. It's a new word for it. Nano learning yeah. might be new though. You know, I, that's, that's new and, and you can coin that now. Um, but right. Some of these things are not new concepts. We've always known that data dumping on people is, is a terrible way to approach things. We've right. known, you know, some of the cognitive science behind, you know, how to, how to actually push people into the right zone of proximal development, th things like that. But I think what has changed, and this is one of the things that I spend a lot of time talking about, is the ways in which we execute that has changed dramatically. So if you're looking at some of this historic research, there are still principles you can take from that. But what I don't think we've always done a good job of is say, okay, if that's at the core of the principle, what we know works or how this works, how could we be delivering that different? today because in the 80s we didn't have text messaging we didn't have the internet we didn't have things like that that actually broke the rules about well this is how that has to be done so so it is interesting to watch you know some of these emerging platforms yours being one of them um that is taking something and, and applying it in a different way yeah well and, and i'll make you know I, I think it'd be interesting to make this prediction i don't know if this is accurate but but i i would wager i, I will i will make a bet that this is the case I would not be surprised if within the next decade we have a TikTok for work, you know, a version of TikTok for work where, um, you know, where executives can make really, really short form videos that teach employees about certain key concepts of the business. Um, you know, I, I think that I, I think we're, we're going to move. I, I think within the next decade or so, we're going to keep a lot of old principles, but just adapt them into really, really yeah. new, new tools and platforms, many of which I think don't even exist yet. I think it's going to be a really, really interesting decade for learning. Yeah. I agree. And I mean, it, it continues to evolve, which is one of the challenges is why we have this show is yeah. that it's changing at such a pace uh, for a lot of folks. It's like, I can't even keep up with this. Like we're yeah. still, yeah. we're still plugging things into a, a slide by slide e-learning. And you're talking about, you know, CEOs making TikTok videos. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, well, right. And, and maybe you're not there in the journey, but that doesn't mean you can't start on the journey, um, you know, and, and kind of start where you are. Yeah. Yeah. So from a from a capability standpoint, I, I do want to talk about this a little bit because you know when we had talked, platform was was new, and I know that one of the big things with platforms, and it's part of the reason I bring people back, is that they don't just stay where they were. So the right, platform yeah. that was what it was six months or a year ago is not the platform that it is today. So what lessons have you learned from? from people about, hey, it'd be cool if it did this, or are there things you tried that you went, all right, we'll add this, and, and then you realize like, oh, well, no, that really didn't, that didn't go so well. Yeah, yeah, sure thing. So, so I think we've been super lucky in the sense, so we get tons of user feedback, and, and, and you know, because giving feedback to us is as easy as sexing back, um, that feedback is is frictionless and, and, and yeah. continuous. Um, so yeah, we, you know, We've been lucky in the sense that we haven't made too many missteps in terms of platform development. I, I think one for you, we, yeah, we, we've been super lucky. We've, we've been, yeah, we've been really, really lucky. I, I think you know a few, a few things that we've we've been obsessed with improving. You know, we're, we're generally obsessed with this concept of frictionlessness, okay. right, and, and making learning as frictionless as possible. Um, and so for us, you know, we've spent we've spent the past three months just reducing the number of clicks that it takes. Uh, to create a course and reducing the number of clicks that it takes to, to get started taking a course as well. Um, and I, I think, you know, our, our investors in particular have been, I think at a, at a certain point, we're a little bit concerned about the fact that we were spending so much time and money reducing clicks, right. you know, because um, it's, it's, it's sort of a weird obsession to have. But, but I think it's, it's you know, it's, it's paid off for us in the sense that, you know, being able, I think people are usually just blown away by the fact that you can go to the Aris website and within a matter of like seven or eight clicks, you, you can make a course, right? And publish a course, uh, which, which is something that, that that's much harder to do with, with a lot of other platforms. I mean, and then signing up for a course, it takes, you know, three or four clicks. Okay. Uh, and, and so I think that's been sort so of And this is on the design side, right? For yeah. The developer. yeah. You've reduced the friction for a developer. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, reduce the friction for yeah both the developer and also for the for the employee taking the course. Okay. Um, and our our goal, you know, we're we're obsessed with the design, and, and so for us, um, that's the greatest number of resources. Um, I think the the other thing that that you know there was a lot of demand for um, was using errors for coaching, right? Okay. Um, which we've been able to to fulfill by having automated responses. Um, and so now you can build in really, really intricate automated like response streams uh, into text message courses, uh, which is cool because you, you can build in, you know, sort of a chatbot like functionality asynchronously um, in a really, really easy way. Okay. So, so talk about, I, I'm curious about that. So in terms of reducing the friction piece, I think yeah. that's an important one and, and probably a smart play. I, I think there's a lot of things out there where the barrier to entry is is user experience on and i think sometimes where i see it go south is people invest on the user experience on one side but not the other right they right. create an extraordinary end user experience but it is a colossal train wreck on on the developer or on the administration side and so when you go that path maybe the learner loves it but the yeah. administrator hates it and so there's no desire to really make it work and and where it works well is when it works well as a on the administration author side and on the end user side so that that to me was a a smart play and it sounds like that one's paying off on this response piece because that was one functionality that wasn't there last time we talked we we talked about the fact that hey do people get to interact back with this thing Tell me a little bit more about how that works in terms of the interactions. Is this like you, you know, quiz questions and they're responding? Is it is it dynamic response? How's that working? Sure thing. Yeah. So we we've built in uh, three response types. So open-ended responses. Um, okay. So question. You know, how are you feeling today? Uh, multiple choice responses, uh, which are you know like answer A, B, C, or D uh, from a you know a list of a list of options, and then and then the system will text you back really really detailed feedback. Uh, based on on your response, and we'll adjust the course stream from there. Um, and then and then short answer questions as well. Um, so you know, like when was when was George Washington born? Stuff like that. Um, and, and so the great thing is, is that for users, texting back is super super easy. I mean, it's it's as easy as texting back. Uh, <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> and, um, and the great thing is, is for something like compliance, we're we're tracking whether or not users actually understand what's going on. Okay. Um, being able to, to, to indicate that, yes, I understood my safety training as easy as, as like texting back a letter, um, ends up dramatically increasing the rates of, of people finishing their compliance training and successfully completing it. Okay. Um, you know, one organization that we were working with had safety compliance training rate, even though they this is something that I didn't really understand. They had a mandatory compliance training that only 60% of people completed. Oh, I understand um, how that happens. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, it's mandatory you know how does how does that work um and, and so and so and i was like cool but um and so we were able to to get their compliance training completion rates up to like uh 95 96 percent okay uh, which was pretty sweet you almost made it mandatory <laughs> i know yeah except and, for five percent they, they they didn't you know yeah, yeah like like for those like three four percent of users like like you're getting the email and you're seeing the email to complete this. Like it takes you like four clicks to do it. Like what's, what's, you know, like, are you just like, yeah, like I'm just not going to do my compliance training. You know, I'm like, I'm going to stick it to the man. But uh, yeah, so I, 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 I don't know what, I don't know how we get that last three, 4% of users. Okay. But uh, yeah, so, so, so I think the response functionality has been huge. Okay. Um, we've also fully integrated WhatsApp, which I think has been really, really important, uh, you know, for, for, Huge multinational organizations, you know, with with uh, employees in India or employees in Latin America, um, you know, being able to reach their employees by WhatsApp is is fantastic, and it, and it makes I think it makes the the employee company experience that much more personal, um, because employees are spending all of their time on WhatsApp anyways, um, and being able to send a company branded text that says, you know, hey, we're you know X company, um, and here's just you know here, here's a nice reminder of what we do and why we care about you. Okay. Um, I think that, that that goes a long way in making the employee experience really, really great. Okay, interesting. So with the with the you, you talked a little bit about you know how it's did you say it's dynamically respond the course can dynamically respond based on their responses. So are you moving a little bit or exploring kind of the adaptive concept of let's change the experience based on on the employee? Yeah, we're we're starting to a little bit. I think I think long term that's uh, and and you know. 
one of our um, university partners just designed probably like our first fully adaptive course. And it was awesome. It was, it was super cool. Um, and and I, I think we're going to see more and more of that and build in more and more functionality for that adaptability. But again, our, our goal is still to make building a course as easy oh, as writing a text. Right. And so that, that's something that, that we're, that, that level of simplicity is something that we never want to change. Okay. Okay. Well, and that's, and that's what, that was what I was going to ask because if you've ever played with, if when you start getting into adaptability, which starts yeah. at basics with branching, right. right? You, you open Pandora's box oh, yeah. like that, and suddenly something from a, Hey, cool. I can create a quick text messaging class in, you know, 10 minutes to, Oh my gosh, what did I sign yeah. myself up for is, is something. So I can see where that's a bit of a challenge to figure out how do you actually, how do you balance that while maintaining true to, you know, the original vision, which was, let's make it as easy as possible. Right. Okay. Interesting. So, so with that one, um, you know, and I, and I'm curious on the, on the analytics side, you know, as you're going into it, um, you know, what are some of the, what are some of the things that people are finding or they're, they're pulling out of this that maybe they weren't getting before as they look at, um, hang on here. I'm looking at a question that came through. Eric, I'm not fully sure I understand your question. So maybe maybe ask it again and I'll, I'll bring it up into the conversation here in terms of uh, bigger picture options for best practices for L&D. Um, but talk talk a little bit more about um, you know what what you're seeing in terms of like what kind of information are you capturing? So people are responding back, right? So that's, that's a pretty big advancement from from where it's been is now, you know, one, it can dynamically shift Two, people can kind of interact with this stuff. Um, but also, you know, how, how is that affecting the data that it, you're providing to organizations or the, the authors? Yeah. So, so what, one of the interesting things that we've seen is users are responding in ways that learning designers have never seen before. Right. Okay. So we, we ran, we ran an ethics course with one of our clients and, um, you know, like when you take an ethics course online, you like click through it and it's, you know, it's not, not terribly exciting when you, you maybe like answer a few quick questions. What was mind blowing, I think in this particular ethics course was that employees were, were texting back paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs explaining, you know, how they felt about the ethical situation at their workplace, um, you know, and, and giving tons of really, really great feedback that they simply weren't comfortable giving for some reason in a video environment or, or in a webinar environment. Um, or, or even in a regular uh, digital course environment. So that, 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 that's, been, that's been really, really, you know, that's been really gratifying is, is that along with gathering, you know, standard data like response rates, you know, you can track whether or not your, your employee is getting the course, engaging with the course, whether or not their answer accuracy rates are, are, are high, et cetera. Um, we're also seeing that the, the level of engagement with e-learning and the level, and, and the, the level of um, authenticity that employees are responding with Okay. Um, something that a lot of uh, our developers just haven't seen before. It, it lets them interact with with their the employees that they serve in a much more intimate way. Okay. Okay. Well, that gets that gets to two things. And Eric, I think this is actually going to address your question um, that you were getting at, while at the same time talking about you know this whole human side of it, right? Because what you're getting at is this data is giving us more is giving you more insight into your learner, which is right. to me invaluable, right. right? Because the more we can understand who our audience is at a personal level, the better we can, the better we can deliver on what they actually need. And yeah. I think this is where we're getting at. You know, so Eric, what Eric was asking was, you know, what are some of the giving, giving employees options to me, that's where what technology is unlocking in learning and development is the ability to truly personalize at a level that we have never been able to do before. Yeah. Right. I mean, that is something that to to understand where a learner's at, what their existing knowledge set is, what they know, what they don't know, what they think they know that they actually don't know, like the end of We Are the Champions, right? To be able to root that stuff out, but then also deliver a completely personalized experience that's that's human centric is something that it's ironic to me, but but is always been the case where technology is actually making learning more personal and more human than it ever has before, which is to, is one of the greatest ironies of it. You know, as people are saying, oh, technology is moving us away from, from human-centered design. It's making us less connected. It's like, if anything, it's allowing us to do it at a scale and capability never before possible. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, and I think it's, I think we're going to see more and more and more of that as, because humans, you know, 
humans we're, we're so comfortable with with just like texting right or taking notes on our phone or, or like all of all of these um all of these things that have become second nature to us and i think being able to meet users where they're at which is oftentimes on their phone yeah um, you know is is, is times like a lot yeah, of time a lot of the time yeah more, more, more than we'd like to admit so, yeah. yeah okay okay cool well so so one of the other things you know if if people are, if they're curious about Arist, if they want to do it, you know, what is the easiest way to get an experience with it or, or try it out or, you know, to test it for themselves? Sure thing. Um, yeah. So we, we just launched the ability to create your own classroom and create your own course in, in seconds. Um, yeah. So if any, if people go to arist.co, that's A-R-I-S-T dot C-O, um, you can both try a sample course if you want to get a, you know, sense of what text message learning is like. Um, and also go ahead and, and just jump into creating a course right away. Um, and it's, it's free. It takes, you know, seconds to set up and our, our team is always here to help. So if you have any pressing learning needs, my email is just Michael at Aristaka. So, which by the way, your email, the email platform you use is Superman. Every one email I get from you has like Superman at the end of it. Right. Oh yeah. 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 It's uh, superhuman. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, that's what it is. What, what is that? Yeah, it's um, it's it's this awesome email platform. It just makes uh, it makes sending and processing emails really, really quick. Um, it, it's it's interesting because it's it, it's all about like micro interactions, right? So they make the process of like sending an email. You just click enter, um, and like that that may seem really, really small, but it saves That's you so much over over the course of the day. I, I I like live in my email inbox, so okay, the, the things really end up better. Okay. Well, it's, sorry, I've had a couple sidebars there, but I think this is this has been this has been a phenomenal discussion, as was our last one. You know, I think it's very cool to see what you've been doing, to hear how the platforms come along. I'm I am curious. Any other? Because I know last time we were talking about some of the capabilities of what you could send through text. Have you, has any of that continued to evolve? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can now send um, images, GIFs. Uh, we're working on the ability to send videos and audio files within the next, I think, like a few weeks, okay. uh, which is sweet. So yeah, it's been, um, you know, I, I think I, I, I got a text, an Eric's text message recently where, where the image was like uh, Tom Hanks's face. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Uh, you know, so like definitely makes it the learning a lot more engaging. But uh, yeah, so so it's 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 been cool what, what people are doing with with sort of the new features. Okay. So with that, and I know we've only got a couple of minutes left, so I don't need to open up another one, but with the, with the video and audio is one of the things that you have to consider with that, you know, with people who are, um, you know, you're obviously part of your solution. Part of the vision is to reach people without data plans, texting video and, and audio probably starts to creep in on that or does it not? Yeah. So we, we use, um, we use a, like the MMS protocol. Um, so it ends up where we're able to send short video files and short audio files without encroaching on data. Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. So you, you, it'll be a, a time cap type thing. You maybe you'll yeah. be the inventor of TikTok for business, right? No, it's going be cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. The inventor of nano learning and TikTok for business. That's your, that's your next uh, one. It's a double threat. Yeah. No, I'm setting the bar high for you. Um, so one final question that I that I'd love your take on, or just to hear some of the things. Uh, and Charles is asking this. I know it's it's always a question that people bring up. Is you know, in terms of as people are creating some of this content, they're rolling this content out differently. You know, how are how are you seeing people measure? You know, are there some measurements that are coming back other than you know engagement things like that that you're seeing come out of this that you're going, wow, we didn't really expect you know this to be an impact, or we did expect it and we met it. Yeah, no, it's an excellent and super important question. Um, so again, it's it's different for every course, right? Yeah. The, the, the metrics, the desired metrics are a little bit different. Um, generally, we find is that um, cost savings is, is really significant, right? First off, because you're saving a lot of employee time. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, that, that, that ends up adding up very, very quickly, um, especially if, if your employees, you know, have, you know, if, if, if their time is super, super valuable. Um, and, and then we, we've seen a lot of really, really unexpected results as well. Um, a mindfulness course ran over Eris, simultaneously saved the company a lot of money, but employees reported feeling much, much happier and much more grounded at work um, mm -hmm. 30 and 60, 90 days out, which was unbelievable. Interesting. Um, yeah. And, um, and, and then in, in terms of other business metrics, uh, both you know the costs to create e-learning content, the time that it takes to, to, to create e-learning content has both of those have significantly decreased. Um, and then in terms of more positive business metrics, 
um, you know, we have had, and again, we're, we, we, we founded this thing in September, so it's difficult to do long term tracking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but we, we have found that there's been some really, really uh, amazing business results too, with sales teams becoming more, more competent, more cohesive, okay. and with onboarding employees feeling like they're ready, like more and more ready to get yeah. started with their work. Okay. Well, yeah. And I think, right. It's, it's, I think a lot of times we struggle with this area because, you know, people are looking for like, what are the top 10 business metrics? And it's like, they don't exist, yeah. right. On a course by course level, you're going to, you're going to be evaluating different things. But I think one of the things that you brought up that is one we should never overlook is productivity, right? Yeah. How much time are we wasting on things because that is a quantitative, right? If we can quantify, we went from this to this and maintained, we did not degrade the value yep. of what we did. That is a, that is a tangible business metric. So, so appreciate that. Appreciate that one. Well, uh, again, thank you so much for, for joining me again. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation as, as I did last time. And I'm sure this won't be our last. Thanks everybody. Love all the comments that have been coming in. Appreciate you joining the conversation and the dialogue I've been watching off to the side, uh, happening, happening along the way. I, I wish you the best rest of your day and a great weekend. Stay safe, stay healthy, everybody. And uh, we will see you next week.